Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Even if you don't buy the whole science part of it, even if you don't buy that genes can actually be altered, that your DNA can transfer these experiences onto your children, even if you don't agree with that part of it, even if you just look at it from the perspective of your children are watching you live your life, and they're going to pick up tendencies in your character that maybe you don't want them to pick up, that you're an example to your children and they're watching you and they're learning what is acceptable and unacceptable by watching you. Is that not sobering? That your lifestyle, that your sin can plague the third and fourth generations behind you because you're not willing to give up those idols and to lay them down and to seek God and God alone. We have this sin nature, and all of us struggle with this sin nature. But again, it is your choice. If you're tired of that sin, if you're tired of struggling with cycles of addiction, if you're tired of paying for the sins of your father and your grandfather, your mother and your grandmother, you can break that cycle of addiction, that cycle of lust today by committing to the Lord and saying, God, I'm finished with the idols. I'm finished worshiping at these false altars and I'm going to commit myself to you and to you alone. You can break that cycle. You have the ability to do that with your choice this morning. No one has taken your choice from you. You are the product of your choices. Sin nature, the root to sin is there. Now I want you to look at the second point here, which is the reach of sin. How far does sin reach? This is what the scripture says. And sidebar, this is also your memory verse for this week. Last week, our memory verse, John 3, 16. We sang it last song this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the verse that goes with love. Now the verse that goes with sin, that I am a sinner, is Romans 3, 23, which says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Who sinned? All of us. How far does sin reach? It reaches all of us. All of us struggle with it. I'm so encouraged when I read the book of Romans. And if you're in Romans, open up to here. We're going to read this together. Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 15. But while you're getting there, understand that this is the Apostle Paul writing this. The Apostle Paul. I mean like super apostle Paul, the one who was beaten, the one who was stoned three times, the one who got back up and went right back into the city that tried to murder him, the one that took the gospel all across Asia Minor, the one who preached the gospel with all that he had, sacrificed everything to preach the gospel. This is what he says about his own sin nature. Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Can anyone relate there? It's like, I want to do right. 
I want to live pure. I want to be holy. I want to abstain from lust. I want to stop overeating. I want to stop drinking. I want to stop smoking. I want to stop watching that filth. And I hate it. I despise it. But I fall into it over and over and over again. That's what Paul is saying. The thing that I hate is what I keep running back to. Verse 16. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. Like the sin within you gives you this struggle, that sin nature that you've got. Even Paul says this. Verse 18. For I know that in me, nothing good dwells. That is me, in my flesh, no good thing dwells. For I have the desire to do what is right, but the ability to carry it out, I'm lacking. For I do what I do not want, but the evil that I do not want, I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I do right, evil lies close at hand. Evil is there. Sin is lurking there at the door. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. There's this war going on inside me, he says. There's a tug of war. And you remember those old cartoons where you got the angel on one shoulder and the little demon on the other shoulder? Paul says, this is what my life is like. It's a constant tug of war. Like the sin is calling me, but I want to commit to the Lord and I want to stay pure and I want to stay holy. Finally, in frustration, he writes this, verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. How does he find deliverance? Through Jesus Christ. Every single one of us is plagued with sin nature. The apostle John wrote this. He said this in 1 John 1.8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you walk around thinking that you've got it together, if you walk around thinking that your life is in order and that you have no need of a savior, the Bible says here that you're deceiving yourself. You're fooling yourself. It's not the truth. You've bought into a lie. If you say you have no sin, you're deceiving yourselves. Jesus put it this way. He said this. He said, you've heard it said that you should not commit murder, but I'm telling you that anyone who has anger towards his brother without cause, has, it's as if they've committed murder in their hearts. He goes on and he says this. He says, you've heard it said that you should not commit adultery, but I'm telling you that anyone who looks upon a woman with lust in his heart has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so to Jesus, the test was not just the action. The test was the attitude of the heart. And so you might sit there and think, you know what, I've pretty well got it together. I haven't committed adultery. I don't lie. I don't cheat. What's going on inside your heart? What's going on that only you see and only you know? Because according to Jesus, that disqualifies you. It's not just the action that God is paying attention to. It's the attitude of the heart that he's noticing. Every single one of us is a sinner. The Bible actually says this. Paul said this to the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, 
He says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. That's our nature. That's what's in us. This is the root of our sin, right? This is the reach of our sin. Look at this. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 3, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. Who can understand it? This is an accurate depiction of mankind, of sin. So you've seen the root of sin. The root of sin is Satan. And in, and in so tempting man, we've succumbed to our sin nature. The reach of sin is that it's affected all of us. We're all infected. We're all children of wrath. Even Paul himself had this tug of war. We're all in common. We're all the same in this. But now I want you to notice the results of sin. What happens when sin enters in your life? What happens when you allow sin to take over and to take control? The first thing I want you to write down, it's not in your notes, but you can take these notes, is that sin enslaves us. Jesus said this in John chapter 8, verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. You think you've got control over your sinfulness. You think that, you know what, I can drink in moderation, but that moderation always becomes drunkenness. You think you have control over your sin. I can flirt with that woman and not cross the line. No, you're going to cross the line. You think you have control over your sin, but that sin has control over you. It has enslaved you. And I was thinking about how can I try to drive and drill this home for you? And, and maybe one of the pastors here, one of the few pastors here that hasn't struggled with an addiction to some sort of alcohol or substance. I had half a beer when I was a freshman in high school and I hated it and I never drank since, right? I don't struggle with those same types of things, but I used to be, if you want to call it, and this might seem like a lightweight thing for you guys, addicted to sweet tea. I was addicted to it. Now, here, let me walk you through this. Why do I say I was addicted to sweet tea? Because if I didn't have my sweet tea by 10 o'clock in the morning, I would become violently ill. I would get a migraine and I would vomit if I didn't put that in my body by that time, right? And so eventually I got tired of living that way. First thing in the morning, I'm thinking about when I wake up is I have to have that sweet tea. Now for some of you, it's coffee, right? Some of you are addicted to what I call Satan's nectar, right? You are addicted to coffee and you cannot function. You cannot think properly unless you have your first cup of coffee in you. Now, Listen just for a moment. That caffeine, my body was so used to that caffeine that if I didn't put it in my body, I would become violently ill. So I spent three days detoxing from caffeine and I haven't had sweet tea in years. Why? Because I got tired of being a slave to that cup. Okay, again, it might seem like a small thing to some of you, but that's what sin does. It traps you. You can't function without it. And you have to cut it out of your life or it will take over and consume you. You'll become useless. You'll become worthless. You have nothing to contribute because you're so dependent upon that thing. And you know what? There's so many different vices it could be. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be lust. It could be pride. It could be money. What are you chasing after that is bringing some sort of fulfillment into you that doesn't belong there. You're enslaved to your sin. You're shackled by it. Are you tired of living that way? 
Listen to what the scripture says in Galatians chapter three. The scripture has imprisoned everything under sin. Imprisoned everything under sin. Confined everything under sin. You're all bound by sin, the scripture says. But here's the hope that I want you to hear. That same verse, John chapter eight, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Verse 36 says this, so if the son sets you free, you're free indeed. You can find freedom from your sin in Jesus today. You don't have to be shackled any longer. So sin brings enslavement. Second thing I want you to see is sin brings death. Write that down under that main heading of the results of sin. Sin brings death. The scripture says this, the wages of sin is death. What I have to show for my sin is death. What my sin has produced is death. That's all it has done. Listen to how Paul Explain this in Romans chapter seven, beginning in verse nine. You're probably still in Romans. Romans seven, verse nine. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, when the law came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me. Why are you being tempted the way you're being tempted this morning? Why are you struggling with that sin? Because the enemy wants to destroy your soul. He's already been cast from heaven. He's already been separated from God and he wants to take as many of you with him as possible. This is why you struggle. That's why the sin within you is always constantly trying to produce death in you if you will allow it. Paul said this to the church in Ephesus, and you were once dead in trespasses and sins and once you walked following the course of the world, following the prince of the air. You were once dead in your trespasses and your sin. The word death literally means a separation of the body and the spirit. That's literally what death is, when the spirit leaves the body. And so death is quite literally a separation. Isaiah chapter 59, verse two, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. There's a separation that exists between you and God because of your sin. In Ephesians chapter two, Paul described it as a wall of hostility, as a dividing wall that separates us from God. That that's what our sin brings. That's what our sin causes the scripture's up there, write it down. We're gonna skip through it because of time, but look at the next result of sin. The next result of sin is destruction. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, does he not? And those of you who are familiar maybe with the story of David, I think it's appropriate to look at his story briefly. King David had everything that his heart could have possibly desired. But when it was time for the kings to go out and to wage war and to conquer new realms, he stayed back and allowed his army to do the fighting. And when he was there, he went up onto his rooftop and from his rooftop, he saw a woman by the name of Bathsheba bathing and he lusted after her in his heart. And rather than turn around and go downstairs and flee from that, he had his people, his servants, summon Bathsheba and brought Bathsheba to David. And 
They had an affair. And as a result of the affair, she became pregnant with David's son. And so in order to try to cover up his sin, David sends uh, word for, for Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, to come back from the field of battle. And he tries to get Uriah to go into sleep with his wife to cover up his sin. When he won't do it, he has Uriah murdered on the field of battle. How desperately wicked is a heart to be in that state. But because of this, the prophet Nathan says to David, because of your sin, because you allowed sin to go unchecked, the sword will not depart from your house. You're going to suffer great consequences because of your sin. And here's what happens because of David's sin. His son that was conceived through that adulterous affair dies. His oldest son, Absalom, loses respect for his father and begins a coup and comes to try to take over and actually does for some time take over the kingdom from his father, David. Can you imagine your own child seeking to slay you to take your position? This is the result, the consequences of David's sin, how it destroyed so much. Do you see here the progressive nature of sin in your life? you think just a small, subtle compromise isn't going to affect anything. For David, he just didn't go to war when he was supposed to go to war. That's how it began. David didn't, in his mind, say, you know what, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to murder somebody today. That's not how it happened. What did he do? He didn't fulfill his duties on the field of battle. He lusted and didn't run away. He summoned her when he never should have. They slept together when that shouldn't have happened. It was another man's wife. Then he calls Uriah to try to cover it up and slays it. This is the progressive nature of sin. And you think just a little small compromise in your life isn't going to amount to much. But you know what? That small compromise becomes a second compromise, becomes a third, becomes a fourth, until it's to the point that when you look in the mirror, you don't even recognize yourself anymore. You didn't set out to become an addict. You didn't set out to become an adulterer. But you know what? Subtle compromises along the way led you to that place. God help us. The enemy wants to destroy your family, wants to destroy your life. These are the results of sin. He knows it. And he's still trying to bait you even now in this moment. The scripture says, Jesus said to Peter that the enemy wants to sift you like wheat. That sin is crouching, hiding at your door. God's word says, don't succumb to this. Don't allow the enemy to destroy what God wants to do in your life because of your sin. So we see the root of sin. We see the reach of sin. We see the results of sin. Fourthly, we're going to look at the response to sin. And understand this, that there are some responses that I think some of us struggle with that should never be there. First off, many of you are trying to just entertain sin and allow a little bit of sin of compromise into your lives. For a proof text of this, we can look at the story of Samson. Samson was a mighty warrior of God, one of the judges of Israel, sent by God to protect Israel, but he finds himself compromising in the camp of the Philistines. And he falls in love with a woman named Delilah, who is bribed by the Philistines to find out from Samson, wherein lies your strength? And so Delilah comes to Samson and says, if you really truly love me, tell me where your strength lies. And so the first time, Samson says, well, the strength 
lies in the fact that if I'm bound by fresh bowstrings, I can't escape them. And so Delilah runs to the Philistines and says, if you tie him with fresh bowstrings, he can't escape. So they come when he's sleeping and they bind him with fresh bowstrings, but he breaks loose. And so Delilah says, why did you lie to me the first time? Tell me where's your strength lie? And so here's Samson once again says to Delilah, well, if they bind me with new ropes, then I won't be able to break free. And so they come at night when he's sleeping and they bind him with ropes and he breaks free. You think this guy would start seeing a pattern develop here, right? (laughs) She says a third time, why did you lie to me? Where's your strength lie? And he says, well, if my hair gets braided, then my strength will escape me. So at night, she braids his hair And the Philistines come in. He looses his hair. He gets up and he's free once again. A fourth time, why have you lied to me? Tell me where your strength lies. And the fourth time he says to her, I'll tell you what it is. Razor has never touched my head. He's not like me, right? (laughs) Razor has never touched my head. If my hair is cut, I will just become like any other man. And so they come in that night. They shave his head and he's bound in shackles he cannot be loose from. They pluck out his eyes and he becomes blind and they cause him to become a slave grinding at the mill. Why? Because he was entertaining sin. He was in with the Philistines when he never should have been in the camp of the Philistines. He had no business being there. He had no business being in the bar. He had no business being at that party. He had no business being with that group of friends. But he went and he ended up losing his strength, becoming blind and becoming a slave. And some of you are entertaining sin today the same way. This is what the scripture says about this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Stop entertaining sin. Stop flirting with it. Too many of us are coming into this building on a Sunday morning. Serve God with all of your heart on a Sunday morning. And you want to raise your hands and you want to sing your songs. But you want to flirt with the world the rest of the week. You want to play footsies with sin and feel like when you walk in here, you're going to be okay. No. God's word says that a spring can't be fresh and salty. You're either one or the other. Jesus said, you're either going to be hot or cold, and if you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you from my mouth. You can't try to live in the kingdom and still live in the world. You have to stop entertaining sin. You have to flee from that. Stop hanging around those people. Stop keeping that company of friends. Stop going to those places. Stop watching those things. That's not who you are in Christ. So some of you are entertaining sin. Some of you are simply trying to ignore sin. The Bible says this, and it warns us that our conscience, that part of us that hears from God, can become seared or calloused. The scripture says that we should make sure that our hearts do not become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Here's where that leads. If you ignore your sin, you ignore God's voice speaking truth to you, you just try to turn as if it's not an issue in your life, your heart becomes hardened, your conscience becomes seared, and eventually God gives you over to your sin. He takes his hands off of you and says, you know what, you're gonna have to hit rock bottom before you'll listen. This is how Paul wrote this to the Romans. He says, they claim to be wise, but their hearts were darkened. Listen to this. 
God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonor their bodies amongst themselves. Listen to this. Since they did not see it fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. That God takes his hands off of them, releases them and says, you know what? You're gonna have to find where that valley leads and you're gonna have to find yourself in the mire and in the muck before you call out to me and I'll be waiting, but I'm taking my hands off. I can't protect you from where your sin is leading. I won't protect you from where your sin is leading. Are you in that place this morning? Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the ccciv.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.